Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This episode of the Answer is Yes Baja Sessions is brought to you by Baja Bound Insurance Services. Driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in minutes with their easy-to-use website. They also have great travel information to help you plan your trip south of the border. Visit BajaBound.com. Hello, this is Ryan Thomas, and you're listening to the Baja Sessions. Over the last three decades, I've lived, worked, and played from the top to the tip of the majestic peninsula of Baja, California. And because of this, I've met some incredibly interesting people with equally interesting stories. And today on the Baja Sessions, we're going to chat with one of them. Ever wonder what it would be like to own or run a manufacturing business in Baja? What about tariffs or NAFTA? How about the border weights and the language barrier? You might be surprised by the number of small manufacturing businesses that currently call Baja home. Steve Tucker owns and operates a manufacturing company called Autovac Vacuum Systems that produces industrial vacuum systems in Tecate, Baja, California. His products are sold around the globe and he cannot imagine his business existing anywhere else other than Baja, California. Join us today to hear a little bit about all of this and more on the Baja Sessions. We've got Steve Tucker on the podcast today, and Steve, as mentioned earlier, is the owner of a business that functions. Do you function out of both the United States and Mexico? You must if you're in an office in the United States right now. Uh, Yes, we do. So we have uh, U.S. offices, and we have offices in, in Tecate, Mexico. There we go. So, yeah, the reason we've got uh, Steve on the podcast today is to dive a little bit into what it's like to um, own and run or operate a business uh, in Baja. And there's a lot of pros. I'm assuming there's maybe some cons to that. Um, But I think it's an an interesting topic that we can dive into here. I have known Steve for a little while, and I'm I'm a little bit familiar with his business, but I'm looking forward to um, peeling some of the layers back with the listeners and and learning a little bit more about uh, what life is like professionally in Tecate, right? That's where your, your operation is located, yeah? Yep, that's correct. We're in Tecate right across the border. So rather than me try to butcher... Um, what it is that you do, uh, I, I'll say the name of the company, and then if you wouldn't mind, just give us a basic understanding of, of what's going on down there in Takati, and maybe even then in the United States and how the two uh, your two locations um, uh, affect or, or, or enhance each other. Um, so it's AutoVac, right, is the name of the company? Sure, yes. It's uh, AutoVac. AutoVac Vacuum Systems is the, is the name of the company that, that we operate. Um, we have manufactured, it started, the company started in 1989 and we've, we've manufactured up in the San Diego area, um, for the first probably 10 years and then decided to move the company, um, down to Baja. So originally it was, um, my parents company and I purchased it from them in 2004 with a business partner, uh, here, West Taggart, we purchased uh, purchased the company and it was already established in Mexico, um, and had a small, uh, small factory down there about, 
uh, 8,000 square feet, and we, we've just grown the business, um, you know, in the last 15 years pretty substantially. Um, okay, well, wait up. you got to back up here. AutoVac, okay. is, I will tell you, is a, is a very telling name for the company, but yep. um, give us some background on what it is that you're actually manufacturing with the name AutoVac. Yeah, so AutoVac uh, Vacuum Systems, we manufacture industrial vacuum systems uh, for a few different industries. Our main industry is car care, car washes, car rental companies, um, car dealerships. So what we make is the vacuum systems for those particular establishments. So when you go to a car wash, um, the main model um, these days is an express car wash here in the San Diego area. We, we have a number of express car washes, but we, we do it throughout the world. And basically what the express car wash is, it's uh, self-serve vacuum. So you, you sit in the car wash tunnel as your car goes through the tunnel and gets washed. Then you drive to a vacuum area and you vacuum yourself. So it's uh, typically between a five and an eight minute uh, process to, to do that. Um, and that business model has really taken off across the U.S. So we've we've got hundreds of locations across the U.S. with with our uh, equipment in, installed in it. Right. So you don't actually own the car washes. You manufacture the equipment that the car wash owners use. Is that the best that's, way to sum that up? That's the best way to sum it up. That's yeah. correct. And I, I will say, I know my wife is a member of one of the local ones here. If you're like me and only wash your car once a year, um, you unfortunately are not benefiting from my um, <laughs> my uh, automotive hygiene practices. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. But I know, yeah, a lot of people are are paying for a membership. I think my wife's it's like fifteen bucks a month or something. Unlimited passes through the the wash side of it, and then obviously access to the vacuums. Yeah, that's that's very popular. That that subscription model is uh, taking hold nationwide throughout the car wash market, and it's pretty interesting to see. Yeah, well, the the it seems as if it's a viable business model, especially once they. I mean, I I used to work at Body Beautiful when I was in high school, and um, one of my roles was on the vacuum the vacuum line. So I think removing the manpower requirement from the business and giving that to the customer and let ultimately letting the customer you know decide on the caliber or quality of the service that they want to provide themselves was a good move on on just the industry standpoint but so back up to mexico here um you bought the company from your parents in 04 and they were already operating in mexico so it wasn't like you had to you made the decision to, to move down there from a manufacturing standpoint, you came into it um, already existing. Is that a, a accurate statement there? Yeah, that's correct. My dad moved the company down into Mexico in the late uh, the late nineties. So, so, so were you involved in it then? At the, I mean, was two thousand and four your first foray in, into Baja doing business, or were you already involved with it with the family when when uh, in the nineties? No, I was I was already yeah. involved in it with with the family in the '90s. Yeah, I was doing some um, real estate real estate work. We owned a real estate company and and a mortgage company here in San Diego for about 12 years. And that business is what allowed me to purchase the business for my parents when they were finally ready to uh, retire and move okay. on. But your 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 professional life in Baja started in 2004. Maybe that was a better way to ask the question. Correct. So the professional that's that's when we that's when we took over and, and started switching some things around down there in about two thousand four. Well, okay, so the obvious or, or the skunk on the table here is you know, what there's a lot of people that hear of, of uh um people doing business in foreign countries. 
Um, you started that process in, in 2004. Ironically, I was uh, a couple years ahead of you there. I was down in Cabo starting in 2000, um, kind of the same scenario, thrown to the wolf, so to speak, to, to figure it out as a foreigner. Um, so I, I'm aware of some of the caveats, at least in, in southern Baja. Um, but ha- what was the process like? I mean, it, it, it's got to be in, in 04, you're in your, what, uh, early 30s? Yep, early and, 30s. Um, a little bit of, of professional background in, in the real estate industry, and now all of a sudden you're manufacturing in Baja. Yeah, so basically the the company uh, when we were in when we were in San Diego, um, it's the, the main uh, component of any of the products that we create is steel. So we're basically a, a big metal shop. So it's uh, forming the steel to our products, and uh, the finishing process is one of the uh, most cumbersome. Um, in our process that we have and in San Diego, it was, uh, the regulations in California were just, uh, you know, tremendous in order to, to overcome, um, a, a lot of the regulations that, that were in California at that time as they were changing. So it was a question of, do we move to say Texas is a place that we we're looking at and Takati made sense because you know, the factory is less than an hour door to door from, from where we were living at that time. So. Um, we ended up, um, going down and, uh, investigating and figuring out how to, um, move, move the company across At first it wasn't a, a straight move. It was more of uh, co-manufacturing. Uh, and then the entire company was moved down at the beginning of 2000. And you have mentioned to me in the past, um, that it, uh, I'm going to use the word family affair, which I think is probably the, the right way to say this. You have some key um, staff members that um, uh, are, are ultimately now part of your family in, in a certain yep. way. Um, yep. Would you characterize um, your, your, your professional life in uh, – or, or let, me, let me ask it this way. How, how would you describe the differences in um, the, the, the – the business life in Baja versus the United States, or, or are there none from your perspective? Well, I mean, the business, the business environment is different. Um, a lot of the, the workers that we hired in San Diego did drive up from Takati. So uh-huh. as we, uh, as we moved um, back down to Takati, we, we maintained uh, their jobs. We, we still paid uh, some of the management uh, a U.S. wage, um, to help us make that transition. Um, but as we, um, found that the business, um, really started growing Takati, Takati was, we, we've always been a, a family owned business, uh, since the beginning. So it's, it was started as a mom and pop. It still kind of is a mom and pop today. I've got my brothers that work with me and uh, the people that we've put in place down in Mexico were actually friends, friends of ours before, uh, we we got we went into business with them and the opportunities um, took hold and it was one family in particular uh, the Contreras family down in Takati that owned some uh, commercial real estate and we were leasing from them and they liked the uh, the product and the company so much that they started helping us manage it. Awesome, awesome, and you. Uh... I mean, you've got a successful business there, but you're in in some pretty uh, uh, 
you're you're in some good company when it comes to businesses that are operating in Takati. I mean, global businesses. What are some of those? You're you're not alone, I guess, is what I'm saying. No, we're not alone. There's a there's a a few different organizations that that we belong to uh, with the the Mikiladora organizations, right, right. that are down in Takati. There's a lot of a lot of companies that are actually south of the border um, that people sometimes people don't know, right. especially, you know, some San Diego companies, but a lot of national, national brands that are, that are down in Takati. The one and I know very, is, is uh, Taylor Guitars is down there, right? Yeah. Taylor, Taylor Guitars is, is down there. And I feel like I've seen like Sanyo or Mitsubishi or big Japanese companies as well. Is, are they there or am I wrong? Yeah. So, you know, you've got Sony, there's, um, not in Takati, be- between Takati and Tijuana is a corridor. So you've got the right. Toyota plant that's down there that, that creates the Tacoma, the Tacoma out of it. So that's probably 12 miles from our plant. So that entire corridor, you've got Samsung in, in Takati. And we do do some business with, with a lot of these industrial companies as well on the vacuum side for their processes. We put vacuums into their industrial processes. A lot of aerospace companies down in Tijuana that are, that are our clients as well. So it's no longer a lot of these companies, even though they do business in the U.S., they do business all over the world. Yeah, right. Well, so prior to you operating a business in Baja, did, and I know, I mean, I've spent, now fortunately you and I have spent time recreating in Baja together, so you, you do um, – it, it is a place you go to enjoy yourself, actually more than I do nowadays. I'm jealous. But um, was it a was it a destination or a location that you did recreate in prior to doing business there, or has your affinity for Baja increased the more time you spent there from a business standpoint? Oh, it's definitely increased the more that I go uh, from a business standpoint. Uh, typically, it was you know before um, before doing business there, it was mainly hopping on an airplane and going down to Cabo and and doing some fishing and and. Now that we're in Baja, especially, you know, that we have, you know, very good family and friends uh, in Tecate and Ensenada, Rosarito, uh, Baja North, it's, there's a lot of family all the way down yeah. uh, through, through Baja. So that's opened up a lot of opportunities in recreation to be able to go into some of the smaller areas and, and, and have that support has been really, really neat to be able to experience um, Baja kind of as a local, I would say, even though we're guests of, uh, of the local people there, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty tight knit family that we're, yeah, we're involved I, I think with. which, what, what I would echo you, you saying is, is that yes, we are guests, we're visitors, we're foreigners. Um, but the, um, open arms that you are welcomed with by the people that, that are, um, natives, if you will, uh, it's it's unlike any experience I've ever had in the United States when it comes to relationships and um, just the genuineness of of a human relationship. I, I find that uh, my Mexican friends are, and you make them quick. At least I did. Um, you kind of yeah. just the, the the layers get peeled back quickly, and and you have real raw relationship real quick. Or I did at least. Um, and I don't find that as easy here in the United States for some reason. It's a cultural thing, I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely is a cultural thing. Uh, that, that that is that is that is for sure. I'm actually curious. I just this I said the word culture, and I started thinking about one thing that stood out to me when I moved back from the United States, and that was, and I, I brought this up a couple times on this podcast. That is the the Latin 
uh, greeting or kiss. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, and when I first moved to Southern Baja, I, I, I learned quickly, especially when I was, was um, meeting women um, or, or wives of, of uh, Mexicans that I, I either worked with or hung out with, that the uh, the accepted and common greeting was a, a kiss on the cheek, and uh, I you know I first was kind of uncomfortable for me, but um, became part of the whole introduction process. And then it was actually weird when I moved back to the United States and was trying to kiss my my buddies' wives when I saw them. They didn't think it was cool. But I haven't noticed that in Northern Baja, and I'm wondering is it just because I haven't spent as much time up in Northern Baja in that context, or is it a different culture north and south? Um, there there is a little bit of uh, culture difference north and south that, that I find, but the, the kiss on the cheek, uh, I would, I would say it's m- more of a warm greeting up, up in the north. Yeah. It's, it was yeah. something that I had to get used to as well <laughs> uh, from, from a business standpoint, it sure. doesn't really happen, but when it, when it's friends that are, that are introducing, uh, introducing you to other friends, it's, it's very, very common and very yeah. typical. Yeah. So from a, um, a time standpoint, uh, What's what's your your how often are you crossing the border and and spending time in Takati as the owner of a business there? Um, over the last couple years, I'm typically down at the plant once a week, um, unless there is a project that we have going on, and I I can go down as you know many as three times a week. Sometimes I'll I'll stay down because it is it is quite close Um, right now from. From where I'm living uh, in East County, it's about 50 minutes door to door, and I drive opposite traffic, so it makes it makes it really nice and very very convenient. Yeah. What? Uh, give us some tricks. Border crossing. What's What's the guy who goes across regularly? I mean, I had my own when I was doing it. What What are the the best times, best days? Tell me what you know about crossing the border in, in Takati. Well, or don't because different. you don't want give, to yeah. give away the secrets. <laughs> Well, it's it's t- times of year are are really big. So the holiday season, we I I typically wouldn't wouldn't drive uh, down there. So we I'd be walking across, and we have the guys. Uh, we either keep a car on each side, or yeah. we have some of the guys right. from the plant pick us up. Um, but typically, uh, when when I would drive down, I just schedule my day. So I'm I'm there a little bit later in the morning, and then I uh, take off from the factory and drive home, especially in the summertime, right around six six thirty. And I find that you know, from 1 p.m. to the 5 o'clock uh, time in the afternoon, it's probably, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but after, say, 6 o'clock, it's, you know, there's been a number of times that I can that I can just drive right across. I know. <laughs> it, Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's 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 unbelievable. Now, now with the uh, with a lot of the immigration issues that they that they have going, there's a lot of uh, people that are driving up from uh, San Ysidro and, mm-hmm. and Tijuana, uh, and they're they're trying to they're they're letting the lines become longer. Uh, this week it was you know on the two hour mark Ooh. because they don't they don't want they don't want people, you know they don't want people coming from Tijuana to cross there in Tecate. They they kind of want to keep it yeah in a geographical area. So 
that's been going on for about a month now. It's almost over. They'll probably go back to it being regular in the next couple of weeks. So let's go back to the business side of this thing, um, area that I, I honestly know very little about, and I'm curious, how does NAFTA play into what you're doing, um, or does it? Um, raw material, I mean, I've heard different um, pieces of information, like if you can bring raw material in from another country or out into Mexico from the United States, process it, turn it into a product, and then move it out. Yeah, and, and I'm butchering this. So tell, tell me what the process or what am I not getting correct here? Yeah, no, no problem. It, it all comes down to tariffs. So uh, NAFTA, which is the North American Free Trade Agreement, it's it was a program that they put in place to um, forego tariffs um, or taxes on um, goods that, that cross the border. So, I mean, you, you, you pretty much had it, had it correct. It's any materials that are created in North America. So if it was steel, it couldn't be steel from China that was brought in. That would still be taxed. But if you purchased steel from a U.S. steel mill and needed to cross it, um, you know, cross the border, Tijuana, Tecate, even, you know, out in Monter- Monterey is a, another big Nikila mm-hmm. uh, area. You could cross that tariff-free as long as you kept track of it. So the big mystery for people is every, all of the raw materials that come across, say nuts and bolts, I mean, it could be thousands of parts and products uh, that go into making um, uh, a product has to be accounted for. So everything that we would cross, that we cross down into Mexico is inventoried. Um, it's on bill of materials, so that way we can prove that it was actually put into a product and taken out of Mexico. What they're trying to eliminate is companies that come down on a tariff-free basis and then resell the goods into Mexico. So right. that's what that's what those agreements are, sure. are designed to do. Yeah. And and for the most part, Steve, is is all of that process fairly? Um, I hesitate to say the word easy and, and, and the word government in, in the same sentence, but or governments. <laughs> but it, yeah. is the process fairly easy or is it is it complex to the point where you, you have to hire or outsource the management of, of the administrative side of that? Well, it used to be. Back in the early 2000s, it was very, very simple. So once, once it was enacted, it was much easier than it is today because today it's, it's, it's growing into a couple different agreements and there's – it's like any government uh, program. There's rules that sometimes they follow and sometimes they don't. So <laughs> yeah. they let you they let you skirt around some things. And if you do that for say six months, and that's your way of business, and then something changes, you always have to be aware of what the law is, so that yeah. way you're you're ready for it, whether they enforce it or not. Yeah. So uh, these days it is uh, outsourcing. We do everything in house, but there's outside brokers that we use, and there's uh, outside auditors that come in. Um, now with the uh, United States Mexico Canada agreement, it's changing a little bit. So they're really cracking down on the rules of NAFTA. It's basically, it's basically the same agreement. It's just been updated. So, uh, now, uh, Mexico has the ability to come into your plant at any time and you have to have the ability to, to let them know exactly what's on the production floor at any time when it was imported, you know, what product it's going into and when it's scheduled to go out. Um, and they can go into any rack and any bin anywhere in the property and everything has to be, um, categorized and it's all, 
Now it's all done via computer, but sure, back in the sure. uh, you know, back in the early 2000s, there wasn't even internet down there, so it was very, very, very difficult. Now yeah. there's you know dial-up dial-up uh, uh, internet's more DSL. That's not really cable yet, but it's it's high-speed internet, so it makes it makes it much easier. So, wow! The, I I thought that there was like real high-speed internet in, in Takati now. I mean, I, they ran fiber optics all the way down to Cabo 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, but it's still it's still all done over the uh, phone, phone lines right huh. now. Telnor Telnor is the only internet service uh, currently in Takati. There's a couple others down in Tijuana has has the high speed, but it hasn't gotten out into interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, I didn't realize it, that. Yeah. Well, um, you were sharing with me earlier uh, when we we were talking a couple days ago um, about a very uh, interesting. Um, system method uh, strategy that you have in place at your company um, from a employee incentive or morale standpoint, and it, it's so fitting because as a guy who has uh, spent his entire life in the off-road racing world, uh, and I this I'll, I'll say it I usually say it at least once on this podcast. Yep, my background's in off-road racing, but this this podcast is not about off-road racing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it is very ironic and interesting that um, in a well, in two states that um, have really embraced the the off road racing culture and and really in in all reality, off road racing or the Baja One Thousand and the Baja Five Hundred have really become a part of the Baja culture. Uh, I, I don't say Mexican culture because Mexico is a big comp- country. But mm-hmm. um, definitely, there's not very many places you can go in Baja and talk to anybody that's been there for more or for less than you know a, a year or two that doesn't know about those races and in some way isn't connected to, have an affinity for, or just like to watch the race cars go by. So tell us a little bit about the program that you put in place within your company. Your your very inexpensive employee morale and, and uh, <laughs> incentive program. Yeah, and uh, you know, just to add a little bit to that, I, I think I think the Baja Five Hundred and the Thousand are actually holidays in Baja. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's what it, you know. Uh, but what what we've done is the uh, one of our our general managers that runs the plant uh, down in Takati, His name is Antonio uh, Contreras. He's been racing uh, quads uh, since he you know in his younger days, probably for I think twelve years now. And he's won in, in his class. He's on quads, different couple different classes. They've won the 500 and the, and the thousand. Um, so that was was a pretty good accomplishment for them. Um, as he's gotten older, and I've uh, been allowed to tag along on some of their trips. You know, I just you know I love Baja. I love I love the off roading scene, and I was introduced to it more from pre running than racing. And that's what I really loved is because you you got to see a lot of the out of the way places that you really don't get to see as a tourist, just, you know, running down, you know, highway one or, or any of the main roads, you really got to get, get up and get in the country and really, really see, you know, the backside of Baja. So as he was aging a little bit and, you know, quads are, quads are pretty dangerous, you know, so it was the old adage with age comes a cage. We ended up, we ended up, uh, uh, purchasing a class eight, uh, truck from, uh, some friends that we had down there that, uh, race, uh, trophy and trophy specs. So we were able to get into, 
into that class, and we've been running it now uh, for just just over. This is going to be our first score season, but we've uh, raced some code races with it last year, so it's it's been really fun. So uh, we created a small race team down there. We allocated some some property out of the factory. We built another building, and it's kind of grew over the last year into. Yeah, it's a whole other business now. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but I I remember you saying that it's become this this uh, component of the business that uh, with the employees they that there's there's and I don't know are you are, are guys getting a chance to ride in the truck or go to the races? I, I gotta believe that it's um and and you did mention this that it's it it's a it's a great opportunity to um, build morale and and get your group together and go to these events regardless of of who's driving the race car or actually riding in it is that safe to say yeah i know that's accurate and and you know us being a, a large metal shop there's we've got a lot of welders a lot of fabricators and there's some pretty talented guys and you know they every everyone that's in in the factory grew up on off-road off-road racing yeah. in baja because they live in baja so for us to to bring that um to the autovac team has been really really neat because we we can have some uh, really great contests um to see who's going to be able to be on the race team a lot of the uh you know the t-shirts that we have down there we just don't give to anybody so we we make these guys earn it and it, and it really becomes a, a special thing within the team um, because it's not it, it kind of gets them out of the day-to-day -day monotony um yep. so to so to speak and it just really increases the morale in the factory uh when we let them be a part of that team if they earn it so it's been it's been really really good for us in that in that sense for sure. So you've been operating in Baja now for close to twenty years. Um, I I know just you know from my experience watching um, so many regions change just from a, a development and, and real estate or, or building standpoint. Um, and those are some of the obvious ones, but but having now operated for for close to twenty years, what are some some changes that you're seeing, um, good or bad? Um, well, the always you know the implementation of technology is probably been the biggest the biggest change down in in the Baja sector. So I've seen it go from not having you know phone lines to phone lines to internet. Now it's um, you know, as you cross the border now, it's very, very similar, you know, in some respects to, to San Diego, even though, uh, you know, as far as the technology, they've, you know, they're, I think they're bringing a Starbucks into, into Takati now. I've heard oh, that's wow. coming in. Yeah. So we've got, um, you know, a lot of the car washes that we see here in San Diego, <laughs> uh, are, are now going into Takati. So, uh, a lot of uh, real the real estate is I'm not going to say it's booming down there, but it, it really a lot of the car dealerships now you see going into Cadi, which which hasn't happened. Uh, you know the Nissans, the Chevys, the, right. the Dodge Rams. You, you see these dealerships coming in, and it's uh, it's really uh, a thriving community. How about uh, the Valley, Guadalupe? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's amazing. You know, I love driving down, you know, from, from Takata and Ensenada, that entire corridor there is, is pretty special. Uh, yeah. it's, it's amazing. So just the changes there and just in the last few years has been uh, quite amazing with the wineries and, and, and the, just the amount of people now that are, that are going back down. You know, so are you, I mean, this is maybe wishful. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thinking, but um, having having a business and a reason to be in Takati on at least a weekly basis, um, is that giving you excuses and reasons to, to scoot another 20, 30 minutes down the road and get into the valley for a lunch or a, a quick glass of wine in the evening? Yeah, every now and then we get we get down there when that new museum. Probably not like you should, though, huh? Not like <laughs> I should. His, that, that's for sure. Close, yeah. That's yeah. for sure. But there's some museums. There's the new museum there, the winery museum that we've had an opportunity. We we took some of the managers down and, and had some lunch and, and walked through. And it's amazing that even the people that live there in Takati they don't they don't get to go experience that because you kind of you kind of get set in your own little world. Yeah. Um, but you know, bringing bringing those. Uh, some of the friends and employees down just for them to see it was was really neat because they all have family members in the valley that they don't see too often and a lot of them didn't even know that that was there so it's you know mainly for the tourists but it's really it's really interesting to see locals um, you know enjoying that as well so here's off the wall question for you how many quinceañeras have you been to uh, i've been to uh, <laughs> for not not too many i mean there's oh, i get okay. invited to them all the time probably yeah. Probably three. Okay, but they are yeah. they are definitely big parties down there. Big when parties, that yeah, sure. absolutely. Yep. And then, how about your uh, your posada? Oh man, or is, the, uh... is that a sore subject? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, not not really a sore subject, but uh, it's a uh... yeah. I think the thing that, we can say that is there. that Mexicans know how to party. How's that? Yeah. No, they definitely do. They and they set do. aside the, – the daughter's 15-year-old birthday is one. That's the quinceañera. Uh, yep. The posada is another one. What yep. what else am I missing? I know there's a few uh, – I mean, obviously, the, the Mexican Independence Day, September 16th or 15th is, is – I think they celebrate on the 15th, but 16th is the actual day. Is that right? Yep, I think so. That's uh-huh. the big one. I mean, the Mexican Independence Day, especially in Takati. I mean, you've got guys on horseback. You know, with you know, they they do some recreations down there that are that are pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that I've got to see. That that's been good. But there's a lot there. Let me tell you, there's a lot of holidays in Mexico. <laughs> um, you know, we see, we you know, we think that there's a lot of holidays in the U.S. There's a lot of holidays in Mexico yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yep. So from the standpoint of of um, if I wanted to start if i was in business in the united states and had reasons to believe that it would make sense to move uh, some component of my operation into to baja or takati for that matter um mm-hmm. is there an organization um either side of the border that that assists with that are there um companies is there are there government organizations i i feel like i remember dealing with a company called procopio back uh in the 2000s 
they were more of an international tax firm, but I think they also had some other components that assisted foreign-owned businesses in Mexico. Are they around? Have you ever dealt with them? Or are there other companies that you would recommend somebody that wants to um, expand into Mexico? What? Give me some some pointers there, or give our listeners some pointers there. Um, yeah, there's a couple different. Uh, there's a number of different organizations on the Maquiladora side. So you would probably just go to Google and you can, or if you knew someone, um, you know, down in that area, a lot of the attorneys that you, that you would work with in, in business, if you wanted to start it would, would be able to point you in the right direction, but there's a number of organizations that you can get involved in. Um, I would, I would recommend, you know, doing your homework because it's not, you know, Mexico isn't the end all be all. A lot of people have the misnomer that uh, labor is cheap and that's why people move to Mexico and that's, I, I think that that would be false. It's not. It's not just for that. It's, um, but any of those associations um, would be good to cut to talk to. There's actually um, probably three times a year as well between uh, Takati and, and Tijuana. Those associations will have trade shows, so you can go down to these trade shows, and it will talk about the different industries and in moving into Mexico and you'd be able to meet the people that, that, you know, some of the notaries that are there and a lot of the other companies that can, can help, um, companies move into Mexico because typically it will be divisions of large, large corporations that would want to move there for, for a particular reason. Um, but this, you know, they can help small companies do it as well. Sure. When from the stamp from the standpoint of your business, you'd mentioned the the finish process. Uh, when you say finish, I'm assuming you mean paint and or sandblasting and and that component of it, or is there other other elements to it? Yeah, that's typically we sand we sandblast. So some of the uh, uh, some of the items we would we would dip. We can dip in coatings, uh, but a lot of it is um, liquid liquid paint. Okay. But some of the, you know, in California now, it's a lot of it's going to water-based. They don't, they don't let you uh, spray any of the uh, epoxies, or it's much harder to. You can get different permits to do so, but it has to be, you know, they, they just made it very, very difficult cost to do, and it, yeah. it cost prohibitive. And I don't know that it's really an environmental thing because they still require you. You know, we still have the the large Garmat spray booths down in Takati. Um, you know, it's the same, all of the equipment that we've brought down has been, uh, the same equipment that's used in California. And it's on that standpoint, it's more of a, you know, political thing, but, yeah. you know, we're, I mean, we're able to take certain materials from Canada. So we, we, uh, import some of our paint from Canada, it's epoxy and we're able to spray it down in Takati and then ship the finished product into the U S and it allows us to have a much higher quality on the on the finish of the industrial product than we than we could if we were manufacturing in California. So, so does all of the finished product go back into the United States, or, you, or do you ship worldwide out of Takati? We do ship worldwide out of Takati, but it, it does go back into the U.S. So even if we would ship overseas to say uh, Dubai. Uh, we do some work with the airlines that are over there. It would still come back into San Diego, and then it would ship from San Diego out. Okay, so everything so, gets shipped out of the United States. Correct. So everything has everything that crosses back into Mexico has to get shipped back in the U.S. or at least virtually imported back uh, in and then out to wherever it's going. Gotcha. Yep. Well, from the standpoint of, of um, acceptance, and, and this is – I mean, I, I'm – I've been through this, so I'm asking this question, curious about your experience and, and wondering 
you know, how similar our, our situations were. A um, couple things on this topic. When I moved to Southern Baja and and um, started the company that, that I ran down there, I was probably over or, or, or subconscious of um, being a foreigner. Uh, I mean, I, I used to tell people all the time, it was one of the, the healthiest things that a white American male could do would be to go live somewhere where they're a minority. Um, so I did that. I was a minority. Um, and I was sensitive from the very beginning of how I was perceived and, and probably oversensitive. Um, but how how's that process been for you? I, I I struggled with being the gringo that that was you know the 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 big guy in charge and and I didn't it didn't sit well with me um, and it took a long time to adjust and 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 um, ultimately start making better di- business decisions and a lot of that was the result of me getting some good Mexican. Um, uh, employees slash advisors around me. Has it been a struggle? Like, what are some of the pain points for you? In, in, I mean, we can beat around the bush, or we can act like it, like you know, there, there's not differences, but there are, and we know it. Um, what, what were some of the struggles? Well, I was, I was fortunate because I've had strong management um, from the beginning. So, I think. Um, uh, you, you have to respect it's it's more of a mindset right just because you're a, a u.s uh, u.s gringo doing doing business down in mexico and you may be the boss it's it's more of a respect thing what i've found yeah. is especially especially with the vendors and even the workers and anyone anyone that's there even if it's the guy that's you know because you know it's still full service gas when you when you when i pull in and get diesel in the truck it's just a level of respect um that you would give to the people um it goes a long way. And, and that's probably, you know, the icebreaker when you're, when you're really nice to them and, and you show them a little respect. Uh, I think, I think it goes, it goes a long way really, really quick versus, you know, being the guy that's in charge. I don't think I've ever had that mindset. Um, but it also helps when, when you've got good people around you, especially when you're doing business or you're, or you're going into a new vendor or you're trying to gain uh, a new service, somebody that you need help with, um, I think it's that level of level of respect and not 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 being you know pompous. Um, and I think that that um, it's so funny how stereotypes arise and and at some point you know there there's um, truth to the reasons behind stereotypes and and where I'm going with this is that I think in in uh, in in United States capitalism or in the business world in the United States uh, usually money talks you know you you can you can can go into a place and say well you don't want to lose my business do you and and typically you know in the united states we don't want to lose business so the customer's always right that type of mentality and i think that um money at least in my experience money wasn't the most important thing in doing business in mexico pride and and um respect meant a lot more so if if Losing an opportunity to make money meant that they could save face or not be disrespected. They would choose the latter over over the money. Is that? Would you agree with me there? Yeah, I would. I would, I would definitely. You can't. Agree you you can't dangle the the dollar carrot in front of people and get them to do what you want them to do. Which I I, I don't agree with anyways. But that's a big difference I felt between Mexico and the United States. 
Yeah, and it is a big difference. It's more, uh, you know, that that respect part. They, you know, people would people would do things um, and, and go out of their way to to help us out, you know, mainly because it was a mutual respect that they had. It wasn't. It, it rarely is about the money. I mean, obviously they like to get paid and they like that security, um, but to be able to threaten that to get, you know, to get an end result isn't something that that uh, is is readily accepted down there because they they a lot of the service people will walk from that because that's not what that's not what yeah, they're about right right yep well and, and and on the same note there um man the the caliber of or, or the 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 devotion to work is high um, and and i think that that there's maybe a misnomer there Sometimes um, I've never had harder working employees than than when I was running businesses in Mexico. Harder and and diligent and striving for a, you know the the better of the entire organization, the the teamwork and cohesiveness. I, I haven't I have not been involved in in organizations in the United States um, that had the same level of those characteristics, at least in the business that I ran in Mexico. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with you um, there as well. The it's just the, the culture is very different. So the Mexican people um, are, are very they're very happy to have a job. Um, the entitlement sometimes that you find uh, in the U.S. is really not there in Mexico. A lot of the you know the majority of the people that we have in the factory, um, I would say that you know, over half of them have been with us for over ten years. So it's it's uh, uh, they're very proud of what they do. Yeah, um, right. For for sure. Um, and if you have the processes in place, um, you're not going to find a harder. We, I mean, we're not going to find a harder um, group of people. You know, wanting to come to work and, and making work a fun fun place. Sure. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. So shift gears here a little bit. You've been recently, I've been with you on one and I know you've made a few others. You've been exploring the peninsula, um, via, via the dirt roads. Um, I know you were in, uh, Chivato here a couple weeks or a month ago or so, and then down on on the tip. Um, and, and I think you're several years into this process of, of exploring the back country. Um, Share some of the favorite spots. I got mine. Where, where, where have you been, and what do you like? Well, this is. Um, well, let's see. It was really cool to be able to. You know, we took some of the guys uh, from the shop, and we're able to. You know, drive down to Cabo. We took a couple rigs down and, and the UTVs, and we were able to. Uh, you know, hit some of the spots that we've always wanted to go down that we might not necessarily have had time. So they drove the trucks and we were able to you know, hop in the Can-Ams and jam down to Shivato and all around the Mulahe area. Um, I haven't had a chance to get on the Pacific side yet. Um, that's going to be the next trip. But where we've been on that Gulf side there is, uh, I love Mulahe. Mulahe is probably one of the one of my favorite spots. Um, Have you been down. out to see the cave paintings that are, are um, out in the mountains there east of Mulehe or uh, west of no, Mulehe? No, yeah. I have not, no. No, I'd love to see that. We yeah, there's more... some phenomenal uh, – years ago, I had a client that um, really wanted to go and see some of the, the um, cave paintings. And so we did a bunch of research and got hooked up with a, a federally licensed guide there in Mulehe. And uh, went and saw some really, really cool. There was one area that um, it was, 
I'm going to say it was a mile, and it probably wasn't a mile long. It was probably really more like you know, a couple hundred yards long. But it was a boulder field, a um, bunch of rocks that were stacked you know, on top of each other, more or less like a, a long wall. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then petroglyphs that were drawn on these rocks in a, in a bunch of different weird facing directions. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Directions. And, and basically the story behind it was that it was once a rock wall that had a pathway along it. And... Um, it was a thoroughfare for the mountain people coming out to the coast, and they kind of used this wall as a communication board. And at some point in the past, there was an earthquake, and this wall fell apart, or this, you know, it was a, a natural wall, and all the pieces just crumbled down onto the ground. And so now these petroglyphs that were drawn hundreds or thousands of years ago, instead of being, you know, facing the world the way they the way they were when they were created now they're you know jumbled up and garbled in in uh, a stack of rocks but it was interesting to listen to the stories of of um the the guide telling us about how they could you know find these certain pictures and um attribute them to things that happen you know throughout the season or like you know someone was putting a, a message here that you know fishing was good this year or something like that Anyways, very, very high, highly recommend um, next time you're in the Mulahe area. I think there's actually a, a tourism office that you can um, set up a, a tour for. You, you cannot go to these yeah. petroglyphs by yourself. You have to go by to yourself. the guide. Yep. Um, yep. The other one we visited, and I, it was, again, uh, west of Mulahe out in the mountains, and that's a beautiful region there. If, if you cross over from Mulahe to the Pacific side, the, the dirt road – um, is known as the Bayena Road, which is interesting because the the from what I understand that was the route that they took across the peninsula when when um, I'm going to say hunting, but fishing for whales was a part of their life. So they call that road the Bayena Road. Um, anyways, I, I got to go on an, on another one where we hiked for like two miles. We we drove for about thirty minutes west, and then hiked for like two miles, and then had to get in a rowboat and row across this little lake. And then go back in this canyon, but it it uh, it was I, I believe it's the first known instance of a buffalo being recorded in North America. There there's some you'd have to go find it out for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I I got to see something that was special. I just don't remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's that's that happens every trip down there. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I think it's cool that you are, um, as a professional doing business in Mexico, you're you're not uh, flying in and flying out, or driving over and, and driving back once a week or whatever it is, and and um, not really immersing yourself uh, in the culture. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to know that you are um, really solidified there in Tecate, and then also this, you know, the exploration that you're doing. I, I'm. Happy for you, proud of you, and glad you're doing it and, and want to go with you again in the future here at some point. Um, I ask everybody that comes on the podcast, super important question, and I'm curious because you're close to my favorite, and I'm wondering if it could be the same. Um, 
where is the best taco in Baja? And there's some good places in Tecate. I know it. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I talk tacos down there on, on the border towns, especially Tecate. Obviously, I'm pretty biased, but it's very, very different than anything that you're going to get in the States or even oh, yeah, different, yeah. Part, different parts of Mexico. You yep. know, different parts of Baja have different different tacos. Yep. The, uh, I don't know, my favorite taco probably would be um, La Gorita there in, in Tecate. Yep. Yep. I know, uh, you know the owner that. That's really, really good. And then, um, oh, the other really good tacos that I don't get a chance to go up there very often is, uh, um, well, actually, it was just up there a couple months ago. There's a place up in uh, Lo Rumorosa. Oh, you're going to nail it. The, uh, what is it called? Uh, oh, my gosh. I'd have to. It was Lalo's. Just a stop in there. Lalo's. Oh, yeah. That's it. So that's Tacos that, al Vapor. Now, now that's that's very very different. Those are very very different. Oh man, I'm know. so stoked! And you know, it's it was kind of like a a, a, a trick question because I knew you, just based on geographics, you run the chance of heading out that direction quite often. Lalo's yep. in my and I I've eaten tacos up and down that peninsula. Um, not a ton on mainland, but I've been to mainland Guadalajara and 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 um, San Miguel de Allende and uh, where Oaxaca. And yep. I can say without a doubt, the best taco in my opinion, and, I, and it's so funny, I keep saying this, Lalo's needs to start paying me. <laughs> but that taco al vapor there, it, it is by far, in my opinion, the best taco that I've ever had anywhere in Mexico and for sure in Baja. And yeah, I'm no, stoked pretty- that you've thought of it too, or that you're, you're, you're the first person that knew of it, so... Bitchin'. Well, uh, and I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really find it on my own. We used, we take uh, you know the we take the guys down to San Felipe every year, and uh, it's, a, it's typically a big bus because we've got about yeah. sixty guys down there. And you know, back when we we took I think twenty five guys down there, that's where they wanted to stop for lunch, and that was they years know. ago. That's right. We st- cause that, <laughs> so we have to get off the main road, and that's where they wanted to head. So, and I'm like, why the heck are we driving way out here for this? <laughs> so, <laughs> But it's definitely good. I, I don't know if it's the matzah. You know, it's very, very different. The matzah down there in, in Tecate is, is, you know, very, very different than anywhere else. So how's the Tecate Brewery doing these days? I, I had guys that um, worked for, for our family business that were from Tecate. And, and uh, I, I mean, I probably, over the course of the last 30 years, have met and spent time with at least 15 to 20 people from Tecate. And every one of them at one point in their life worked in that brewery. Um, yep. Is it still functioning? In our, I mean, I'm assuming it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's probably the largest employer there in Tecate. Yeah. Everybody, everybody somewhere or another is involved, you know, with uh, with the brewery there. Heineken recently purchased it. So. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, they're brewing uh, Amstel. Uh, it's probably doubled in size over the last 24 months. So, I remember some of the guys told me too they were allowed to drink beer while they were working there back in the early <laughs> days. Can you imagine, man? <laughs> I could not imagine. And, and they may have been lying too. Maybe they were just drinking yeah. beer and thought it was legal or okay. <laughs> I thought, but... thought it was a cool thing to do. But yeah, that water, the water that comes out of the ground there in those wells is is pretty special. I know that's why the brewery's there. But um, yeah, they're they're they brew they're starting to brew ultra there as well now. Oh, wow. Ultra is very 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 popular beer in in Mexico, and I had. I don't know why, but it is. They they like their ultra beer there too, is, you know. And obviously, Tecate comes out of there. So, so what is next for Autovac? Oh, that's a good question. Right now, we're just uh, we're just enjoying the growth that we that we're seeing. Um, we're probably 
I don't, I, I don't know. Um, it's something <laughs> that, uh, that we're thinking about right now. I mean, life, life is good. We, yeah. I love manufacturing down there. We're, we're doing some, some manufacturing up here in the States as well. We've moved some of the, some of the stuff back on a, on a smaller scale, but, um, yeah, things are good right now. We don't have any, any, any big, big plans to, to make any huge changes. We're just going to keep rocking. Well, good for you. Good for you. Is I, I just thought of this, and and you may not have an answer for it, but I'm curious as a business owner that that um, uh, at some point and, and listeners, this is me. This is not any indication. Nothing. Nothing is actually for sale. But if you were selling your business, how does the the fact that uh, the manufacturing side of it taking place in Baja, does what effect does that have on on the potential sale of a business, if any at all? Well, it depends on it depends on the buyer of that business. Sure. So yeah, we've, yeah. We, and we've we've been approached by by people you know want, wanting that particular avenue uh, to be able to have something turnkey uh, down and down across the border without having to build it is is quite valuable. But it, it really depends on on what you would be manufacturing. Sure. Um, um, for that, but it definitely, it definitely is a, is a pro for sure. It's, it's, it's definitely not a con to, to have uh, manufacturing, you know, in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And, and from a transportation standpoint, I'm just thinking about the route from Takati into uh, San Diego. I mean, the 94 is the obvious route because it's the most, uh, I mean, it's connected, but when you're moving product across the border, are you allowed to go through the Takati border crossing, or do you have to go down into Otai where the commercial crossing is? No, and there is a big commercial port there in Takati, so everything oh, wow. flows from from Takati. Yeah, interesting. I did I did yeah. not know that. I I've taken um, I've done small imports through Takati and actually got turned around one time and told I had to go to Otai because I think I was importing textiles or something. Um, but it was personal. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, at a at a business level. Um, yeah, it just depends. There, I mean, the uh, all the maquilas that are down there, as long as the tariff numbers are are correct, you can cross anything through Takati. Mm. So it's it's a it's a large commercial port, and it's been much easier for us. I mean, we we have we have used um, the Otay Mesa facility as well. I mean, they're open twenty four right. twenty four hours a day, but. Um, it's nice to be able to do everything right there in Takati because Takati's you know so much smaller and. It's nice because you get to, you know, everybody, you see the same guys that are there. So it, it makes it <laughs> yeah. nice, you know, it's a lot, a lot different than, than down uh, San Ysidro Otay. Well, Steve, listen, I, I appreciate uh, the time. It's I love um, I love the fact that I have this podcast because I get to talk to, gives me an excuse to talk to a lot of different people about a lot of different things and, and usually always somehow tied back to a place that uh, is a part of who I am. So I appreciate your uh your willingness to come on and talk about this. I, I am curious to know, um, just as a as a parting piece of, of information, if you were going to give, whether it's business or, or just personal, uh, I like to give listeners um, advice, tidbits of information, and it can be anything as simple as, hey, don't cross the border without Mexican insurance. But what's something that, that you are um, adamant about or, or, or what would you recommend? What would you tell your kid if they wanted to go spend time in Mexico or start a business, give me one little piece of advice um, that you'd give our listeners that they can, it's an action item or, or actionable piece of advice. Oh, wow. That's, that's a, 
That's I probably should have warned you about this beforehand, huh? Yeah. Well, now I actually I have a 17 year old son, and he drives back and forth to the plant by himself. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, I don't know. What I would probably say is, as you're going into you know any any foreign country, especially you know Takati is it's a bedroom community of Tijuana. It's it's a ma- it's a magic town in Mexico. So Takati is a it's a pretty special town. But as as you cross. It's, you know, have, have res- what I would say is have respect for the people um, uh, as you're going in and, and, and speaking with people, whether you're there, you know, to go down and get some bread at the bakery or, you know, you're going down to meet for a for a business, a business meeting. It's it's, you know, have have respect for the people that are down there. It's it's very different than the U.S. Um, on on that note, you your generosity and, and you going um, the extra mile and being, being nice to people and genuinely respecting them is going to be, um, a big factor in your success down there, whether you're grabbing tacos or you're doing anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would probably, that's probably what I would leave, you know, as a takeaway for people. I think what I heard was, was a four letter word that's spelled K I N D be kind. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Right on Steve. Well, they listen. Um, I appreciate the time and, um, Look forward to getting back across the border with you sometime here in the near future. I'm, I'm sure you've got uh, plans to get back there soon, probably sooner than I'm going to be able to go. But um, I'll live vicariously through your adventures. And yeah, um, if if listeners wanted to learn anything about your business, I, I actually I did look it up earlier. Is it is it autovac.com? Like uh, autovac, autovac Inc. A-U-T-O-V-A-C-I-N-C.com. Yeah, yeah Autovac Inc. Yep. And um, any possibility you're hiring right now? We're always hiring. There you go. Hiring in the U.S. and hiring if you know they want to check out the uh, the Mexican plant. It's uh, Autovac de Mexico. So that's on Google as well. They can see where the plant's at and kind of see where the on the map where we're at there down in Takati as well. And anybody's welcome to uh, uh, give us a ping and stop by if they if they want to uh, take a look at uh, a factory down in down in Takati. Right on. Well, and I, and I would also encourage. This is like we're. I'm, I'm watching the clock here, and we're bumping up on the fun, 59 minutes uh, part of it here. But um, as a as a as a guy who is experienced running business, starting business down there, um, are you available to people that are looking to do the same to give advice? I mean, if somebody found your phone number on the website and wanted to talk to you about, you know, again, advice doing business down there, are you able and willing to do that within reason? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No problem. Just uh, wow. you guys can give me a call or email me. So just uh, you can just hit the info number at the uh, at the website and put in your request, and it'll come directly to me. And I'd be able, might be willing to get back to anybody. I love talking about uh, Baja, doing business down there, and, and can probably help them out or at least point them in the right direction. Sure, sure. All right, Steve. Listen, I'm going to let you go. Thanks again. This has been Steve Tucker and Ryan Thomas on the Baja Sessions. Tune in next week, and we'll have another interesting guest with interesting stories about the Baja Peninsula. Don't forget to check out thebajamap.com if you'd be interested in owning a leather-bound 60-inch canvas map of the Baja Peninsula. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Baja Sessions. We'll be back next week to chat with another Baja brother or sister. And until then, Viva Baja!
This episode of the Answer is Yes Baja Sessions is brought to you by Baja Bound Insurance Services. Driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in minutes with their easy-to-use website. They also have great travel information to help you plan your trip south of the border. Visit BajaBound.com. 